Well, we have been in a series in the book of Psalms over the last several months, and uh, Pastor Tom and John have been leading us through certain truths for uncertain times. And as I look over the list of some of the topics that we're in, the need for forgiveness, God's justice and protection of the oppressed, and God's word has certainly proven very helpful to us over the last few months to help us navigate these uncertain times in our life. Well, today I wanted to do something a little bit different, but I'm hoping that it's going to be sort of complementary to what Pastor Tom and John have been doing. Today, I want to talk about contentment for uncertain times, contentment for uncertain times. The Psalms that we have covered over the past several months testify to the reality that we live in a sinful world. As long as we live in this sin-filled and cursed world, there's always going to be a sense in which we are living in uncertain times. We read these words from thousands of years ago about collapsing societies and wicked rulers and oppression and persecution, and, and we ask ourselves in which we live now. We certainly face uncertain times regarding the world around us, be it economically, politically, internationally. But more personally, we all at some point or another will face uncertain times closer to home, closer than the things that we just see on the news or read in the newspapers. It's another thing, it's one thing to see things on television, it's another thing to be experiencing uncertain times in your own home and in your own workplace. Some of you right now are navigating serious, life-threatening illnesses, either in yourself or in the life of a loved one. Some of you right now are in the aftermath of losing a loved one. Some of you right now are trying to pick up the pieces of difficult relationships with friends and relatives afar. Some of you are really struggling with relationships at work. Seems like no matter how hard you try, it's never good enough for that other person that you work with. Some of you right now aren't convinced that your budget is going to balance next year. Some of you right now don't even know where you're going to be next year or what you're going to be doing. So some of you don't need to be convinced that we live in uncertain times. Some of you right now are experiencing those uncertain times for yourself. That's the reality that you live in. And if you aren't experiencing uncertain times right now in your life, Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that that time will come. There will be a time of mourning and a time of weeping, of uncertain times. And if we aren't careful, and if we aren't thinking biblically, then we can succumb to the temptation of being discontent. Now, before we get into the text that I want to talk about today, I just want to establish something really uh, at the front, sort of introductory. I want to be very clear when I say that discontentment is sin. Discontentment in your life is sin, with very few exceptions. The only exception I can think of would be discontentment in your sin in your own life discontentment with your sanctification. Uh, you would never say that I have arrived. I'm perfectly like Christ. 
Um, I have enough sin out of my life. I'm content where I am. I'm not talking about your spiritual walk with the Lord. We should always be growing and, and progressing. I'm talking about discontentment in the things in your life that are complete as you doing. Discontentment in the things that God has given you. I'm talking about that sort of discontentment. Discontentment is sin. Why? Why is discontentment sin? Because it's an indictment upon God. It's an indictment upon the character, the knowledge, and the power of God. When you are living your life and thinking that your circumstances are unjust, that they are wrong, that they should not be this way, then you are indicting God for not being good. He's not being good to you. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, the Lord is good and he does good. Romans 8 tells us that he works all things, sorry, Romans 8 says that he works all things for our good and for his glory. So if you're acting as if your circumstances in your life are wrong, unjust, evil, living your life as if it shouldn't be this way, you're thinking that your life should be something different, you should have something better, then you are indicting God's knowledge, saying that God doesn't know best, but I know best. You are discontent in your circumstances. Sometimes you may think to yourself, well, God's not able to do this for me, so I'm going to have to do it for myself. Is God not all-powerful? Could he not give you what he thinks is best for you? Discontentment is sin. Not only is it an indictment upon God, but it's also a terrible witness to a watching world. If you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ and you are discontent in your circumstances and you are constantly grumbling and complaining about it, do you realize what witness you are being to a watching world? You are essentially my God because he's not good enough to me. Don't worship my God because he's not capable of giving me what should be given to me. It's a terrible witness to our faith. Discontentment is sin. Therefore, we must be content even in the midst of difficult times. When it comes to navigating difficult circumstances, I think we would be wise to learn from the Apostle Paul. So today, what I want to do is I want to focus on Paul's contentment that he talks about in Philippians chapter 4. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I'll give you some background. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church from his Roman imprisonment. Paul is nearing the end of his life. He's chained to Roman soldiers. He obviously is not living in the best surrounded. Um, you can learn about it in Acts 16. And the Philippian church has heard about Paul's circumstances. They've heard that he's been in prison. And so what they do is they send Paul a gift through a messenger named Epaphroditus. Uh, the gift is most likely a financial gift or whatever it is that he would need in his Roman imprisonment. And Paul, having received their gift, now writes back to them to update them on his circumstances and also to let them know that he is grateful for them. He's grateful for the gift that they have sent, and he wants to update him, update them. So Paul writes from prison. How does he handle these difficult circumstances that he finds himself in? Well, let's read together, beginning in chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. 
Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. But I rejoice, turn for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the question at hand, how does Paul navigate the storms of life that he is in? The answer in verse 11, I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content. How can we define contentment? How do we define contentment? Well, here's the definition that um, I came up with. Contentment is peace or satisfaction given by God that equips the believer to rest in the will of God regardless of the circumstances. Contentment is a supernatural peace or satisfaction given by God that equips the believer to rest in the will of God regardless of the circumstances. If you look up the word uh, contentment and, and look up some of the opposites of contentment, you'll see displeasure, worry, dissatisfaction, disappointment, agitation, discomfort, or misery. Now, what sounds better? Supernatural peace from God, satisfaction in God's will, or anxiety and misery, dissatisfaction? It's not a hard sell. We should all strive to be content. We want this contentment that Paul talked about, and join in following my example. Follow my example. And Paul says, I'm content. So therefore, we should strive to be content as well. So how do we cultivate this contentment? What can we learn from Paul regarding his contentment? So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to present four lessons about contentment from these verses that will help you to cultivate, cultivate this peace from God regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in right now. In these verses, I want to see four lessons that will help you cultivate contentment in the midst of the uncertain times that you may be facing now or the uncertain times that you will face in the future, okay? So, lesson number one about contentment. First, contentment is learned. Contentment is learned. Halfway through verse 11, you'll see Paul say, I have learned to be content. It says, I know twice. I know how to get along and I know how to live in prosperity. Okay, this would suggest that contentment is something that must be learned. It must be learned. It's not something that just happens to a person incidentally. It is not something that just comes to a person naturally. No, contentment is learned. And it's not learned in a classroom. It's not learned in Contentment 101 class. Paul trained under the Jewish leader named Gamaliel. He did not learn contentment from Gamaliel. No, Paul learned contentment amid the school of life and all the hardships that came with it. Paul learned contentment in the school of hard knocks. And it should be noted that the term that Paul uses here when he says, I have learned to be content, it's suggesting active voice. 
He's not saying that this knowledge just happened to him. Rather, he was pursuing this. He was pursuing to learn contentment. He didn't just find contentment out. Sometimes in life, we do learn things incidentally. Sometimes we learn things that we didn't seek knowledge for. Uh, For example, maybe the first time you, you touched a hot stove. You weren't really seeking to figure out just how bad that hurt, but you learned it. You learned it incidentally, or maybe the first time you accidentally put microwave in a, in, or put a foil in a, a microwave. Uh, I, I recall a story one time, uh, my wife Rachel and I, we got Olive Garden takeout and brought it home, and, and they packaged their breadsticks in this like paper bag. And I was heating up the food, and I put this bag in the microwave and started it, and it wasn't long. The thing started buzzing and sparking and out and opened it up, and the inside of the bag is lined with foil. And I said, they should say not to microwave this. <laughs> and my wife grabs it out of my hand and turns it around. It says, do not microwave. <laughs> so I said... Well, they should put it in large letters on both sides of the bag. That day I incidentally learned that you cannot microwave the bag from Olive Garden. So that's something to take home with you today. If you learn nothing else, don't, don't microwave the bags from Olive Garden. But this is not what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about incidental knowledge that he just happened to acquire because of his circumstances. No, Paul is saying that contentment is a lesson that he learned intentionally in the midst of his circumstances. He knowledge throughout his life. When Paul was arrested, beaten, thrown in jail, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, we don't see him complaining. We don't see him demanding that his circumstances be changed. No, he sought to learn contentment in the midst of of the things that God had brought in his life. As you and I manage the trials of life, which we cannot control, we must seek to learn to be content. Our first response should not be earnestness to change our circumstances. Do you find yourself doing that? In the midst of the trials in the life, in your life that you face, do you find yourself demanding that everything be changed? Do you find yourself scratching and clawing for these trials to be removed from you? Are you saying, Lord, get me out of these uncertain times all the time? Now listen, there's nothing wrong with praying those things. There's nothing wrong with praying for healing. There's nothing wrong with praying for contentious relationships. There's nothing wrong with praying about your work situation. But what if the answer that God gives you is no? Are you going to be content? Is your prayer going to shift to, Lord, help me be content in the midst of these circumstances you have brought my way? This is what Paul said. He said that he learned contentment. Contentment is learned. Okay, second lesson. Contentment is not only learned, but contentment is progressive. Contentment is progressive, meaning that it doesn't just happen at one given moment. Okay, it's You don't learn contentment just because of one difficult circumstance in your life. No, it takes place over the series of contrasting times in his life. Look at verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means. 
and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul says that there are times in his life when he was humbled, when he was prosperous, when he was full, when he was hungry, when he was abounding, and when he was suffering need. Obviously, all of these things did not happen at the exact same time. No, he's, he's describing his life, his life in, in ministry, and he's describing it on both ends of the spectrum in serious need, serious lack, and times when he was abounding. So he's describing his life on a, he's describing his experience in his life up to that point. By the time Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, he is well into his 50s, and he would be martyred in just a few years. You don't need to turn here, but just listen as I go to 2 Corinthians 11. Paul gives an account of his life up to that point. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 and following says, listen to this, five times I have received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches." Paul had a lot of opportunities in his life to grow in contentment. He had a lot of opportunities to grow in contentment. And he used these opportunities to cultivate contentment throughout his life. Contentment is not instant. It is a process. It is progressive. It progresses as we become more like Christ. It progresses as we become more sanctified. At the moment of your conversion, the moment that Christ saved you, you were not perfect. And you know that. The reality, this reality ought to encourage you, but it should also challenge you. It's encouraging because you walk with the Lord, so I obviously still have room to grow in contentment. Be encouraged by that. You haven't arrived. You have opportunity to grow. We do struggle at times, but I also want you to be challenged with this. Are you more content now than what you were this time last year? If you've been in Christ for 20 years, are you more content now than what you were 20 years ago? When difficult times come your way, do you respond better? Or do you still find yourself grumbling and complaining all the time, just like you you did years ago? Friends, just because contentment is a process and growing more and more like Christ, that does not give us the excuse to abandon the pursuit. We must always be striving to grow in contentment. This is the same in all elements of our Christian life. First Thessalonians statement, do not let these experiences, these uncertain times that you are facing, go to waste. Don't waste these experiences. Seek to use them to grow in contentment. So contentment is learned. 
contentment is progressive. Third, contentment is unconditional. It is unconditional, meaning that it's, it's not subject to particular conditions. It's not subject to particular circumstances. Paul does not say, I have learned to be content only when things are going my way. I have learned to be content only when things are awesome for me. No, he says, look in verse 12, he's learned to be content and humble means to live as a low-class citizen, to live in hunger, and to live in suffering. His contentment was when things were difficult beyond imagine. Does Paul say, if, if only I could get out of prison, then I would be content. If only my charges were dropped and I were released and I could go back to the mission field, then I would be content. If only people would stop persecuting me. If only I had more money to, to buy my food and, and pay for court proceedings or whatever it is then I would be content. No, Paul does not say that. He doesn't say that at all. But how often do we say things like that? If only I didn't have all these projects at work, then I would be content. If only I could just have some me time, time to just stop, decompress. If only my life wasn't so stinky. If only I was in better health. If only my loved one was in better health. If only I had more financial stability, then, then I would be content. If only I had a better job, a better house, if only I was married, wasn't single anymore, then I could be content. This is not contentment. Because contentment does not wane in difficult times. Contentment is unconditional. Now, it's interesting, Paul not only speaks of contentment in hard times, but he also talks about contentment in good times too. This seems to be strange to the ear. He says in verse 12 that he's learned to live contently in prosperity while being full and while living abundantly. It seems strange to us, but this is a reminder that it is just, it's possible, it's a possibility. Consider Satan's temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden. They're in the garden of Eden. Life is perfect. They have everything that they need. Everything that they need. In a place where there's no sorrow, no pain. Life could not have been any better for them. And Satan's point of contention to Eve is, God's not being good enough to you. Uh, look, I, I know it's pretty good here, but it's, it's not as good as it could be. God's not being good enough. He knows that if you eat of that fruit, you'll be like God. Don't you want to be like God? Don't you want your life to be better than what it is? Sort, sort of plants a seed of discontentment which germinates into full-fledged disobedience in the fall. Man can be dis, uh, discontent and disobedient. Discontentment lurks around the corner, and if we don't learn to combat it, the result can be devastating. There's a fictional story of a farmer, a poor farmer, who was offered a deal that he could gain as much land as he desires uh, in one day for free of charge. The only, uh, the only uh, 
condition would be this. He needs to traverse that land in a 24-hour period from sunup to sundown. So he would have to wake up in the morning and he would walk as far as he wanted to. And whenever he was satisfied, he would plant his, his flag in the ground. And then he'd have to get back to his starting point before the sun set. And if he can do that, he could have all the land that he traversed in a day. So obviously this poor farmer jumps on this idea. And as soon as the sun crosses over the horizon, starts to rise, he sprints as he can for as long as he can. He goes hours and hours and hours running and running and running and running. And by noon, he's, he's really exhausted, but he keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going. And then it's early afternoon and he remembers, okay, I, I need to get back and I'm pretty tired. So I'm going to plant my, my flag right here in the ground. I've covered thousands of acres. I need to start heading back. Well, he starts to head back to where he started from. And he watches as the sun slowly gets closer and closer to the horizon and and he's exhausted and now he has to pick up the pace and he starts running again and running again. And eventually he has to be in a full out sprint again as the, the sun inches closer and closer to the horizon. Well, as a result, he exhausts himself, collapses and dies. So at the end of the day, he only needed a plot big enough for his grand, led and fed his discontentment. And it was destructive. Godly contentment does not do this. Godly contentment recognizes that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. God is the one who determines times of plenty and times of need. Contentment that Paul describes here is not conditioned upon circumstances. It is unconditional, whether of times of good or times of difficulty. Friends, you and I must nurture this attitude within us. We must be content in any and every circumstance. We must encourage other people to do the same as well. We need to be content in certain and uncertain times. So contentment is learned. Contentment is progressive. Contentment is unconditional. Game, win the award, win the election, get the house, get the promotion, get fit, whatever it is. One senator even used this verse as support for his community being able to be 100% vaccinated during COVID. We can 100%, we can get 100% vaccination rate. Remember Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is not what this verse means. When Paul says that he can do all things, he's referring to the things that he just mentioned. Namely, being content in any and every circumstance. It's rather ironic that people use this verse about contentment to justify their discontentment in their life. But anyway, the point here that Paul, how can he do it? Through him who strengthens me. Contentment is given by God. It's given by God. It's not something that we can just muster up on our own apart from God. It is a gift of God. That means that contentment is inextricably connected to your relationship with God. If you are outside of Christ, can't be content. You're going to try and fill that void in your soul 
like the world does with worldly things. And you can't be content. I think this is why Paul says the word uh, in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being filled. This word, learned the secret, is a word, it's a religious term. It's a religious term that the Gnostics and the Hellenistic Jews used to talk about secret knowledge beyond. And Paul, this is like a, a prime example where he uses their terminology and flips it upon their head. You want to talk about secret knowledge? You want to talk about secret wisdom? I have secret knowledge and wisdom of learning contentment, and it's in Christ. It's in Christ. This is not contentment as the world knows. Contentment comes by the presence of God in the soul of a man. We just heard of our Lord offering us rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's not just eternal rest. That certainly is part of it, but it's also rest in this life. It's a hope. In Christ, you have forgiveness of sins. In Christ, you have a perfect righteousness given to you. In Christ, you have hope for life. What, what more could you possibly want? In Christ, you have everything that you need to be content. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are struggling with discontentment, remember, God has given you everything that you need. He's given you everything that you need to be content in this life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, remember that and remember your commitment to him. You have marked yourself as an individual who says, not my will, but your will be done, right? That's what it means to be a Christian. You have marked yourself as an individual who's committed to dying to self regularly, not living for yourself anymore, but living for God. That's what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ and by God. So when you are feeling tempted to be discontent in the midst of uncertain times that we face, remember your commitment to the Lord and remember his promises to you. Remember that he promises that he'll never leave you, forsake you. Remember that he promises to work all of your circumstances for your good and for his glory. Lean in on him and ask that he would get you through. Then you can say with Paul that you can endure all things through Christ who strengthens you. Friends, life is, is full of uncertain times. It's full of ups and downs. And we must seek to be lights in this world. The Lord in the midst of our circumstances. We're not trying to fight against Him to change our circumstances. We must learn to be content. And it doesn't just happen to us. We must progress in our contentment. We should be more at peace in our circumstances with each and every passing day. We must not put conditions upon our contentment. We don't say, I will be content if my circumstances are better. I will be content if things are good for me. No, we, we strive as Christians to be content in all of our circumstances. 
And we must be fully dependent upon the Lord because he gives us the strength to endure. He gives us the ability to be content. And if you are outside of Christ and you know it because you recognize as we talk about contentment that you, you're not a person that's marked by contentment, you're, that's all you need. And you can be content. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your son. Thank you for sending him to live a life we couldn't live. For giving us his righteousness and imputing our sin upon him. For giving us, taking our just punishment, grafting us into your family, and giving us a promise and a hope of everlasting life with you. Lord, thank you for giving us a reason that we can be content in the midst of difficult circumstances. Father, help us to always remember this as we face the uncertain times that we do. Help us to be a light to a watching example that our God and his gifts are sufficient. We need nothing else but you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.